Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Strategy Game Podcast. And today I am so honored to have Julie Wilson with us from Women Doing Well. Julie, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. And Julie uh, really has become just a dear friend of mine uh, over the past year or so. I guess we, we had the chance to meet in person um, and just have been able to work with her and her team. And she's a part of our mastermind, which has been really amazing. Uh, Julie, tell us a little bit about you and tell us about Women Doing Well, because it's an incredible organization. Well, uh, it's a, it's an, it, it is an incredible mission. And I actually, my story is really a women doing well story, which is probably why I'm so passionate about it. So my story started um, as a little girl, like most of our stories, we start young and I can trace this desire for leadership and influence way back to second grade. And uh, my father, uh, would bring home um, pencils and erasers from his job and I would take them and sell them at school and trade them for snacks. That's amazing. And so it was great. My friend Scott and I had quite a, quite a deal going. Like they were all hidden in our desk and we'd lift it up and people would come and trade for Twinkies. You know, remember when we used to eat Twinkies? Anyway, and one day Scott ate so much of our, our proceeds that he threw up and we got busted. <laughs> and my father both, uh, was corrective of my behavior at school. I need to be learning, not selling. But he was also quite pleased um, that I had that kind of leadership drive to start a business, even if it was at school. So uh, I have had a hunger for leadership for, for my whole life. But maybe similar to some stories, there were many setbacks to that storyline um, mm -hmm. that caused me to always want to be the second, not the first leader. Okay. And so um, when I got to college, I had the opportunity, uh, my sorority sisters um, in, at Boston University convinced me that I had to be the president, probably because I was the only sucker willing to do it. Um, so, but that was a great experience of being the first, but I was, um, by the end of that year, I had told a friend of mine, never again will I lead a group of women. That was horrendous. Wow. And I don't, I don't like it. I just don't like it. Like and that. so I started a narrative that a group of women is not fun to work with. Mm. And uh, I went off to New York City to pursue my dream job working at the media, in the media. I was at NBC as a page. Uh, my life was on track and going beautifully, but I was miserable. And it was, it was at that time that I began a faith journey that was really transformational. And I came in contact with a really interesting group of people in the city that were uh, very compelling and not like the Christians that I grew up with um, or that I had perceived I was growing up with. Uh, and so I, uh, that faith journey really gave me a whole new perspective on life and where work fit. And I became almost more committed to work and changing the world in a beautiful way, but with the right motives. It wasn't about my ego anymore. It was really about making the world a better place. Yeah. So uh, I, I worked in the nonprofit world starting right after that first job at NBC, I thought, oh, I'll do like the Peace Corps and I'll go work for a nonprofit and help. But I loved it and I have loved the nonprofit world. And I will say I was the second for a long time mm. and very happy there um, until, you know, Brene Brown's work, you know, started stirring the pot. You know, I did some therapy. These are just all things that just as all of us grow and evolve, your yep. leadership grows and evolves. And so I found myself uh, about eight years ago uh, at, at a wonderful job with a generosity organization. I had a, I, 
I'm a journalism major. I was the uh, programming and messaging uh, mm -hmm. VP and just loving it and uh, got contacted by one of our volunteers in that ministry. And she asked me to help her program something for women based on a research study that had been done in 2012. Okay. And this is where the women doing well journey really takes off. Um, but also my journey as a woman leader really starts to take off. Cause when you go for wholehearted, uh, that is a really interesting thing. And so the, the mission of women doing well is really to come alongside women of influence to activate their unique purpose, passion, and plan for making an impact in the world with all that they are and all that they have. Love that. So it's a generosity thing. It's a, it's a really cool play. Like living with your full self is counterintuitive because you think, no, I just need to be this little role or this, little, I need to divide myself up. But wholeheartedness and integration is the counterintuitive way to the life of impact you so desire, whether it's at work or at home, it works. Yes. So good, Julie. Oh my gosh. I love that. And so ironic, isn't it? that you said, I don't want to lead a group of women again. And here you are leading a group of women and inspiring other women to be generous. <laughs> I know. I think God has a very funny sense of humor. He <laughs> really does. He takes your very own words and then he, he really brings them back to life in a new way. And I really wrestled because I thought that one really was a hard, it was a long time ago, but it was a hard, it was hard to deal with. And, and I will say it's, one of the things that I think my leadership is really bringing to the table out of that pain, which, which at Women Doing Well, pain is actually a pathway to your passion often. Yes. Yes. So out of my very pain of not wanting to lead women, God has assigned me to an organization that is powerful women who are making a difference in the world with um, what they have. And let me tell you, women have more now than they ever have before in the history of the world. Wow. So just a couple of high level stats and many people don't know this, but women today own 51% of the wealth in the United States. Wow. That is wild and amazing. I did 48% of millionaires in the United States today are women are women. Wow. And then there's a huge wealth transfer taking place from the older, more established boomer generation down to the, uh, to the, the next generation. Wow. There will be, $41 trillion changing hands in the next two decades. Wow. And 70% of it is going to be in women's hands. Pretty wild. 70, these, are, these are just well-known stats. You can Google them. They're on our website, womendoingwell.org. Right. Women are being entrusted with more wealth than ever before. And yet we have more fears and anxiety around that very thing. And we, in our research study of more than 7,000 Christian women, women of faith, yeah. Um, of those 7,000 plus women, only 6% checked all the boxes that would make a confident leader. And so our work at Women Doing Well is really to increase that confidence and to spread this wholehearted message of generosity and living and giving and having the life that is there for you, but you have to walk into it. Absolutely. I love that. And that, I think that really plays into so much of what we talk about at StoryWork, which is that identity-based strategy piece, right? So it's really that foundation of who you are as a leader and getting really solid in that and knowing your identity so that you can then walk in it and that you can inspire teams, you can inspire 
uh, the people that you serve, right? It's all connected. So I love the work that you do because I think it's, it's foundational and it really allows space for women to begin to really walk in things. And we all have stuff, right? We all have stuff we haven't intentionally uh, sat down and processed or thought through. Um, and wealth can be a big one. Um, and generosity can be a big one. And also just our passion and our purpose and our, and where that's come from, our pain. Like you said, you know, there's so much that we don't take time to think through. And I love your process because it does ask those questions, but in a really approachable, gentle way as well. So can you tell us a little bit about the programming, just because I love the way that you guys have designed it and it's, it's really cool, the model of it. Sure, we base everything on transformation because really that's what is going to make the most difference in our lives, if not behavior modification, but transforming kind of how we think and feel about ourselves and what we have. So we do that through what we now call a wholehearted pathway. Okay. And we don't believe, we do believe that you can have these mountaintop moments where there's like some kind of insight or aha moment and you kind of go, oh, now I know what to do. But what led up to that was a lot of other process, books you've read, conversations you've had, pain you've had. Mm -hmm. So transformation is never like a one-time moment, although there are these flashpoints. So we invite women to have another flashpoint around who they are and what they have through this wholehearted pathway. And so we have three um, steps in that pathway and then we're done. The three steps are really just wake up to who you are and what you have. Yeah. And we have a six week, uh, one hour a week um, meeting where that happens in community. Awesome. The second is grow deeper in that purpose, passion plan, really unpack where that came from and make sure it's based in identity and not what your parents told you you should be doing, yeah. what, your, what your faith community tells you you should be doing, what you tell yourself you should be doing. Like really dig down and be in community that is supportive. So we don't do a lot of advice giving. We don't you know, have a bunch of stuff for you to buy. You know, uniquely we are funded by um, privately by by people who want to keep this not about money but about heart transformation. So, and then the final step in the pathway is really what does it look like for you to take a step and get activated? Because a lot of us in America stay in our head. Our head and our heart connection is really hard to make uh, for many reasons, but it is unique to our culture. We're very individual. And it's very much about the head. So we don't say the head is wrong. We love thinking and we're very research-based women, but we connect the head and the heart for that transformation that can be sustainable. And then we send you out into the world to be passionate with the organizations that float your boat. And also those that really are excited about what we're doing, we have a whole leadership pathway for you to take. And so it's a really beautiful, like come in, get what you need and go out is generally what happens. Yeah. Amazing. And I love what you said about, I think something that you guys can take away from today, right now, something that you said is just dismantling all of the false beliefs that may exist within us, whether that has come from parents uh, the way that we are raised, whether that has come from like spirit crushing moments, right? With friends or people that we know or colleagues or beliefs about ourselves that just simply aren't true. And so that realignment that you guys do with the identity piece is so critical. I love that. So just as you're listening to this, anyone just even ask yourself, what am I believing that's not true about myself? Um, and what do I need to unpack or dismantle? Because I think 
that part of it allows for so much growth and change to come in. I'm always doing this work. I'm still doing it. So it's a journey, right? And probably always will be. But um, I love that you guys do that. Thank you for sharing. And I know that you're going to share a little bit about some of the things um, that have been on your heart and that have been happening in terms of your culture at Women Doing Well. And so you were talking to me before we, we hopped on, started this recording about passion and how um, that passion is great and it's amazing in the nonprofit space, but how it also needs to be paired with boundaries. Can you tell me what that's looked like in your culture? I can't. It, I need to go back though to something you said. One of the investments I've made in my own leadership is doing the uh, story work strategy mastermind with your group. And what that does is it allows me a place to process ideas and organizational things with other organizational leaders. And it's been incredible. Here's a, just a baseline thing. We don't get wounded in isolation and we don't heal in isolation. We need, you can identify a list of all of the things that, you know, are, are, broken or have been wounds or hurts in your past, but you can't get beyond those necessarily without a friend or a few friends. And so I can't recommend these group environments more wholeheartedly because they're so powerful that just to hold space for somebody to sort of verbalize maybe for the first time a loss or a disappointment or a hurt that they had that's injuring their leadership. So true. Um, and there's tons of places where you can do that, but I have loved that about your leadership class. So as we get into passion, that becomes really important. One of the things that I'm learning as a nonprofit leader is nonprofits are awesome because they're full of passionate people. People do not do nonprofit work for the money. They do nonprofit work because they are like wanting to make a difference in the world. They want to bring some solution to a problem that would make other people's lives better. These are beautiful and important things, but passion unchecked is extremely dangerous. And actually a lot of wonderful nonprofits don't ever really see their fullness because of passion. Because what happens if you don't create a culture where passion has a place, but has boundaries, mm -hmm. um, passion can wreak havoc, cause confusion, cause conflict, cause chaos. I mean, it's, it can be really hard to manage somebody who feels so strongly. So uh, again, a lot of healthy nonprofits do healing work too, because wow, good. when you're a healed up human, you can be passionate without being demanding. Yes. You can be passionate without... Uh, blowing up somebody else's like job, basically. Like sometimes a board member will have an idea and all of a sudden someone who had a whole area that they were working on that gets scrapped. Well, that takes all the life out of that employee. There's such a better way to do that. If you're, if you are honoring passion, but giving it boundaries. So and, cool. and so, you know, I just, I think I'm just learning that it, it, it is, important for your organization to define what that looks like. What are those boundaries? What's allowed? How do we make decisions? If you have, I, like I tell my team, because I'm a passionate person and I've had to say, hey, listen, I just had a brainstorm. I had an idea. I just want to share it with you. I have it on my five-year plan list. I promise I'm not going to try to get this executed this year, but I need to share it with you because it just needs to like be heard. So then they know that they can relax. They're not trying to like go, but, 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 but we've got, we've, uh, ah. Yeah, I'm wondering what task do I have to do? How do I pull this together? Can I execute this with everything else on my plate? Like, you know, right? So I, that's I, taken that's, me like so many years of therapy to be able to uh, own that just because I'm passionate about it doesn't mean it has to happen right now. 
As yeah. a matter of fact, it's probably going to be so much better when it's been vetted after a year or two. And so I'm just learning to trust my team. They're learning to trust me. And it's a beautiful thing as passion has boundaries. That's so good. And I love what you said about um, that it becomes like a cue. So you're, you say in your team, is this correct? I'm ideating or I'm brainstorming. And that serves as the cue to say you don't have to go and build a plan around this or figure it out. Is that right? They're That's just right. listening. They're holding space basically, right? For you to be able to ideate. Mm -hmm. And then what do they speak back? Do they give feedback? Like what are you looking for when you're brainstorming or ideating, even though you're saying this is in the future? You know, I do, I do enjoy when they give me a little feedback, like that seems like a great idea. And, and sometimes what will happen is the idea actually fits with another strategy we're working. Well, can okay. we take a piece of that idea and put it here? So it's not always like they go, let's put that on the two-year list. Right. Uh, but again, I, I have to be humble in my approach as a leader that my excitement affects the team. Right. In a positive way sometimes, but in this way, this is my growth. I need to manage that passion and like the new shiny object. Oh, you know, yes. Yes. like, you know, and I come in going, now we've got to do this. And they're like, wait, we just spent two weeks setting up. <laughs> so again, I think it's this beautiful identity based leadership and that owns who you are is in a process of recovering and healing yes. while leading with integrity. Honestly, that's what it is. It's just like, Hey, here's where I am today. I'm really excited about this idea. I've gotten to a place even where now I don't even have to share it. I write it on my list. And then I really, I ask God, do I need to share this? Cause yeah. now, you know, and it's on the list and I don't even have to, as I'm, this has been about a 18 month journey I've been on with myself to just oh, good. Yeah. own who I am, that I'm passionate, but figure out how to not to take out the whole team. Yes, that's so good. And I know and how and now how to lead passionate volunteers because they're right. everywhere. They're coming out of the woodworks and I love it. But I have to quickly let them know this is these are the guidelines for how we do life and work at women doing well so that we can get the the most women through the pathway. That's amazing. So you're actually just casting that vision now to them as you're discovering it yourself. And isn't that all what we're doing? We're discovering new things and we're we're on a growth path and then we're sharing it and casting vision as we're doing that. That's leadership. I feel like right there, it's never perfect and it never will be. Um, but I think if we give our best selves and we're walking in our identity and we're saying, here's where I am, this is what I'm learning. I think that that um, allows people space and freedom to grow alongside of us. So that's amazing. I love that Q-tip. I'm going to use that. Uh, with our team as well. Just like, hey, I'm brainstorming because sometimes I can get the same way. Very passionate and very uh, intent on getting it done right now, but that can't always happen. So that was a really good takeaway for me. Talk to me a little bit about feedback because you had some good, you had some good tips and pointers here. How do you and your team manage feedback? Gosh, feedback is essential if you're going to have a healthy culture, in my opinion. And this has come hard one because I don't like feedback. Um, I mean, I do. I say I like it, but then when I get it, it just takes me out. So years ago, I had a 360. And because I was a second and I was kind of the holding back leader, like don't let it, because I thought I was too much. So I would just always hold back a lot and sort of make it about the leader and pump them up and use all my passion for them. So my first couple of 360s were always like, Julie doesn't talk enough. She needs to speak up sooner. You know, they were, they were kind. They weren't like 
sort of the negative. And as I've moved into being more wholehearted and integrated, my stronger sides have come out and I've gotten hard feedback. You talk yeah. too much, you dominate conversation, you process out loud, it's confusing. I mean, these are like hard things hard. to hear, right? And so you know, I, I essentially have trained myself that feedback is my friend. And I say, it's a mantra. I say, feedback is your friend. And <laughs> my friend. I will use a personal example. I had a friend have the courage in a relation, personal relationship. So it wasn't anything to do with work, but it was still feedback. And it taught me a lot. She had some hard feedback about how I had impacted her the day before because I was excited about something. I was being very bossy mm. and she didn't like it. And so she said, you know, yesterday in the car, you were really bossy and I didn't like it. And I just wondered what was going on for you. And instead of hearing her, I pushed back and I was like, I wasn't being bossy. I was just excited. She goes, yeah. no, you were being bossy. And so we had an argument about whether I was or what the, the point is when somebody gives you feedback, you thank them, you honor them. You had the courage to give me feedback. Thank you. Help me understand what I was doing. Yeah. I don't see it the way you're seeing it, but I want to hear what you're saying. Help me understand. So she unpacked it. And then I had an insight about myself. And I said to this friend, Hey, this has been really instructive and painful. Next time, instead of just dumping on me in the middle of a walk, could you give me a warning that you're going to give me hard feedback as your friend that would help me? Because I need to tell my brain that feedback is my friend and not to jump all over you. I made it harder. So you could just help me. And I tell my husband that now, you know, he's my best friend. And yeah, so I sometimes yeah. I'm like, Hey, I love when you give me feedback, but just, just give me a warning so that I can switch gears and get ready. Yeah. So the first part of feedback is being a good receiver. The okay. second part of feedback is learning how to give feedback well. And I think that that is really hard. I've, I've actually been working with an executive coach who's taught me a ton and she's given me a great like model of the ABCs of feedback Ooh. that is so life-giving and, and her way of saying it is that the A is what is your aim for the relationship or the organization in giving the feedback? The B is what are the behaviors that are causing problems to that goal? And the C is what is the consequence because of those behaviors? And then I added a step of, I go back to the aim because I really want the person to understand I'm not giving feedback because I feel like I'm better than you. I'm giving feedback because I want us to get to our mutual goal and we can't get there unless we do healthy feedback. Right. And as I've been practicing this, it has just made our culture that much safer because we all know that we're going to get a feedback call at some point because yeah. we're all human and we don't do things perfectly and we don't live our intention. So That's those are just so, so good. Oh my gosh, Julie. Those like so many light bulb moments as you were sharing. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing that personal example. I know it can be hard to give those examples, but I'm sure everyone can relate to a time where they've gotten feedback that has not been positive. I have from my team personally in my life, from my kids, I now get it, which is, which is really hard sometimes. So it's all the things, you know, we're trying to, um, just trying to receive it and, and it can be hard. I think pride can, for me personally, pride can get in the way. Sometimes I can want to jump to defense. Uh, so feedback is my friend. I'm going to remember that mantra. That was really helpful and take that back. So I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to be on today, to tell your story, to share it. I know it was so valuable. Is there anything as we wrap up that you want to just speak to leaders um, of nonprofits and organizations in general, just anything that stands out or anything tangible that 
maybe they can practice today, like one question or just thought that they can ask themselves today to reflect on? You know, that I think that um, asking the big question is the scary one, but why have you been put here on earth? What is your why? That's your purpose. You kind of, and, and, and then put some flesh to it, you know, really think about how am I living intentionally to bring that to the world and what's preventing me? So that's some of the healing that might need to take place in order for you to walk into that. But the, there's only one of each of us. Yeah. And we can only do the assignments that we've been given. And um, something that I go to a lot is that God is generous. Hmm. And regardless of your faith perspective, um, the world is a beautiful place with so much generosity just everywhere we look, you know, thousands of varieties of flowers and thousands of sunsets, not one the same, that billions of people, you know, not one with the same fingerprint. I mean, the, the, the opportunity, the invitation to embrace who you are and what you have has never been more important. We are moving into a incredibly different global reality. Yeah. And leaders are needed and leaders that are healthy and about other people and not about their own ego and agenda could not be a better time to work on yourself, to offer the world who you are and what you have. It's so worth the fight. And it's just been fun to get to share um, in that journey with you, Lauren, with the strategy group I'm in and just because none of us do it alone. There are no, no, nobody else can be God, but God, we get to be people and human and to honor you, your humanness and to to thank you for letting me have a place to be my human self has been really a gift. So thank you. That's amazing. Oh man, I love that closing statement. Incredible. I will definitely be going back to listen to that. So thank you so much, Julie, for sharing.